God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us and what you continue to do for us. Lord, would you open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word this morning? God, please help me to be faithful with what you've put on my heart and my mind. Help me to communicate um, effectively. Help us to be hearers of your word and your spirit. Thank you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I do just want to just say I'm glad to be back in Bloomington. Um, Bloomington and IU have such a close place in my heart. Um, I graduated um, uh, in undergrad in 97 and um, really enjoyed my time here. I tell people I cut my teeth in ministry um, on campus. Great place uh, because there's just so much sin, you know, <laughs> there's just so much. And, uh, and I just really mean that affectionately, like um, just a great place to build relationships and be in the world and not of it and be working that out. And so um, glad to be back. Um, I am uh, a church planter, and uh, we are planting a church in Evansville, which is about two hours south of here, called River of Hope Church. And uh, we feel called to be a blessing to the city. And so the name that God gave us is from uh, Psalm 46, um, where it says, uh, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And so we feel called to be a blessing to our city, um, to... Um, the, the region, you know, to, to our uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so that's what we feel called to do. So we're excited to have a partner church, a sister church in Exodus. Um, Matt and I really have the same heartbeat um, that it's, it's about the person and work of Jesus and loving people. And, uh, and reaching out. And so we have a very similar heartbeat in that. Actually knew Matt um, at that time. I was not a part of um, ECC where he served. Um, I was in InterVarsity, um, you know, for, for a lot of my time in my ministry. But I have close friends who um, were with Matt at that time. So I've known him for a long time. Um, so anyway, great to be with you guys. This uh, intro question, um, we did not talk about this at all ahead of time, but it's very much connected to what God's put on my heart um, to share this morning. Because as I was preparing the message, uh, and Matt shared with me that, um, that you guys are talking about who is the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to listen to the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And uh, so praying through that, God put a passage on my heart and um, all I kept thinking was that Christmas song, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I kept thinking about that song because um, you're going to see it in the passage that we look at today. I just kept thinking about God's many gifts that he gives to us. He gives us so many things. I was remembering when I was little. You know, when I was Aiden's age, for example, when I was nine years old, eight years old, and Christmas Eve would come. I don't know if you remember this, but, or if you had this experience, but I was just so excited to wake up 
Christmas morning to go wake my sister up and then go to find out what we got. Oh, I couldn't wait to go into the living room and just see what was there, to just see what those presents were. And I just want to tell you today, I feel like, I feel like a dad who is excited to tell his kids, I want to tell you what we got you. I want to I want to talk about that, and I, and I just want to say that my excitement as a dad is even greater than it was as a kid. I get excited on Christmas Eve after we've put everything together. I mean that sometimes it's about 3 a.m., and finally that, you know, I remember when we put a bike together or put a little kitchen set together, you know, and I usually do it wrong a couple times and have to fix it, and it takes a couple extra hours, and... Um, after everything is set out and ready to go, I just get excited that the kids are going to enjoy this and they're going to see how much we love them. And I want to just go through and I want to say, here's why we got that shirt for you. Here's why we got, you know, that toy, that transformer. I want to show you everything about this bike. I want to, I want to explain it all to you. I want to experience it with you. And I just want to share with you guys how excited I am because I believe that's what God wants to do for us this morning. Is he wants to say, I want to show you everything that I've given you. I'm just excited to walk you through some of the gifts that God has given us this morning. So you're welcome to follow along on the handout. Um, we're going to look at Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 14. Um, you're welcome to open up your Bibles if you want to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. It's a letter from uh, Paul to the church at Ephesus. And most people, when they think of Ephesians, it is about what it means to be the people of God. What it means to be the church. So many people ask me this great question, what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, even that word has been so politicized that people think, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it means to think these things about our society. It means to stand for these things. Even it means to do these behaviors and not do those behaviors. And I actually think, for the most part, it's not about behavior modification at all. It is about... It is about having a relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit and Him working out those behaviors in our lives. And so we're going to look at this passage in Ephesians 1 in which uh, the Apostle Paul talks about these great gifts that God has given us. And I think it's going to be fun. I can certainly tell you I am a deliverer of good news today. This is good news. This is encouraging news. And it may be tempting to say, oh, I want to move on to the deeper things of the faith. No, actually, I believe this is A to Z. This is what the gospel is. This is the good news. So look with me, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 1. And verses 1 and 2 are just kind of an intro to the whole letter. 
And then um, verse 3 is going to be our intro to this passage that we're going to look at together. And I'm reading from the NIV 1984. There are other great translations, but that's the translation I'm reading from today. It's good English. Uh, it's, it's okay uh, Greek, but it's, it's really good English that tries to be faithful to the ideas. This is God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Just stop there with me if we could for just a second. It's so tempting, isn't it, to just read past that? Because it kind of sounds like churchy language. Oh, this is just an introduction by Paul. And I'm just going to say, no, let's slow down because what, what we just read is huge. It's, it's significant. Look with me again at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so he starts off just praising God. He's praising God for something. What is he praising God for? And this is what he says. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. First of all, this phrase, in the heavenly realms, again, it sounds like a phrase that might be used all over the Bible. It's actually not. It's not used in any other book but Ephesians. And in Ephesians, it's used five times. In the heavenly realms. Paul is saying that there is a realm that is unseen, but is close to us. It's here, but we don't see it with our physical eyes. What is he saying has happened in that realm? That God has blessed us. This is our relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. God gives us gifts. He has blessed us with what, according to Paul? It's pretty amazing. With what? Has he blessed us with a few good things? No. Paul starts off by saying no. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. This is significant because there are people that think that to be a Christian means getting physically blessed all the time and prospering physically. And I just want to say that, that according to the Bible, um, there are times when God blesses us. He takes care of us. He provides for us. However, what Paul is talking about here is spiritual blessings. This is what it primarily means to be a Christian is that our spiritual health is important. It's not just our physical, emotional, relational, but God is dealing with our spiritual health and he's blessing us with every spiritual blessing. That's kind of overwhelming, isn't it? To think, what does that mean? He's blessing us with every Spiritual blessing. And we'll get back to the in Christ part because that's significant. Well, the rest of this passage, verses 4 through 14, is the good dad describing these blessings. He wants to talk about how we are blessed if we are in Christ. 
Here are the blessings that Christians should have, should be living into. But I want to tell you, I'm not here to point my finger this morning. I'm telling you today that it's difficult sometimes. I find myself not living into these blessings, not living into these truths. So let's just look. We're going to take a survey of three different areas that the Apostle Paul talks about here. Blessings from the Father, blessings through the Son, and blessings by the Spirit. So it's interesting right here, isn't it, that right here we see the Trinity, that the Apostle Paul says if you are a Christian, it means you have a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So look with me if you would. First of all, we're just going to look at verses 4, 5, and 6. Here's what he says from the Father. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. First of all, I just want to say, as a, a former English teacher, this is a run-on run on sentence. Verses 3 through 14 is one sentence with no punctuation. Paul can't stop talking about the goodness of God. He starts talking about the Father... And then he says, it's all through the Son. And by the way, when he starts talking about Jesus, he can't stop. So he just goes from verses 7 to 12. And then he says, and by the way, it is all through the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you what the Holy Spirit does in this process. So first and foremost, what does the Father do? What has the Father done for us, according to these verses? He has chosen us. He has chosen us. I'm reminded of how important this is because I coach Aiden's football team, second and third and fourth graders who play football. And we often break up teams for relay races and things like this. And I see it every time. It, is, it breaks my heart when we split up teams and there's team captains and some, some kids get chosen and some kids don't get chosen. You know, they just get on a team by default. And I think every one of us can relate to that. At some point in life, we were chosen and it felt really good. We were chosen for a job. We were chosen by a friend. Hey, can you come over? Would you like to come over? Would you like to do something special? And, and, and we all can relate to not being chosen for something and how hurtful that is, how it feels to be left out, how it feels to be overlooked. I have a military friend right now who's been in the army for over 20 years, and his heart is broken because he's been passed over and he has to retire. He's been chosen to not continue his career, and it is really heartbreaking for him. But here's the good news. Paul says up front that the Father has chosen you. The Father has chosen you. You have been chosen. He wants relationship with you. 
and me. He says, you are mine. That's what the Father has done. And I believe if you are here today, even if you are just investigating Jesus, and if you are, I say, thank you for being here. Thank you for trusting us with with this time. But if you are here hearing this message today, I am trusting that you are chosen because there is a reason you are here. And it's not just your acceptance of it. The Father has called you. The Father has set you apart and said, I love you. I want you. So Paul says here, he chose us, listen to this, in him before the creation of the world. He knew your name and my name, and he looked at us and said, you are mine. He chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. So even if we struggle with sin or bad habits, he chose us. He is working that out. He will help us to be the men and women that he wants us to be because he has chosen. He has picked you and me. But there's more. In love, he predestined us to be adopted I just want to pause here because these sound like big religious theological terms, but I just want to break it down for us. As I was praying about this word, he predestined us. And I'm familiar with the debates about human responsibility and God's sovereignty and predestination uh, sounds like um, we don't have freedom to choose, but clearly Clearly, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, God honors human decision. He he allows us to make decisions. He gives us responsibility. I believe at heart what this word means. The Father has predestined us. He has called us. He has planned for us from the beginning of time. He has thought about us. He has good plans, as it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a future. He knows those plans. When I look at this word predestination, I see the word predestiny. He has a destiny for us. It's a good destiny because he loves us. If you can imagine, and some of us have very difficult relationships with our earthly fathers, but if you could just imagine the best father ever, he has good plans for us, plans to prosper us. He has a destiny for you and me. It is good. It's a good destiny. And then this word adopted He has predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters. Just think about this for a second, friends. He has has called us, if we are in Christ, to be his children with a real inheritance. And he's going to talk about this inheritance more in in this passage of Scripture. John said it this way in, in John 1:12. Yet to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. Children of God, not orphans, not just creation, not animals. Children of God, sons and daughters. 
So here's the good news on Christmas morning. If we're looking at our presence through Christ, God has given us an inheritance. He's given us a relationship that we can say to him, Daddy, Abba. And I assure you that if I would be willing to do anything that's good for my children, anything that's good for them, they can attest that I don't, I don't give them everything they want. It wouldn't be good for them. I don't give them McDonald's all the time. I don't give them Happy Meals all the time. Kale has his license. We're not giving him a Porsche. It would not be good for him. But you know what? As their, as their dad who loves them with all my heart, I would do anything for them that was good for them. How much more, how much more the Heavenly Father who loves us and has adopted us. He's chosen us as his children. All right, we could land here and spend all day on this, but let's move forward and look at what God has done for us through the Son. And by the way, each one of these sections, Paul ends with, to the praise of his glory. Paul can't help but break out into praise and say, this is awesome. What God has done is amazing. It's awesome. He breaks out into praise at each section. It's amazing. So here at the end of this section with what the Father has done, he mentions the Son. He says, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Okay, so he mentions Jesus, and now he can't stop talking about Jesus. Here's what it says in verses 7 to 12. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. That's a mouthful. He has done so much for us in the person and work of Christ. Paul can't help but talk about it. There's a lot here. I just want to highlight a few things that he's done in the person and work of Jesus. It's not just the Father. It is through the Son. This is a difference between Christianity and Islam. This is a difference between Christianity and Judaism. We believe that it had to happen through a human being who was without sin. It had to be someone who was fully God and fully man. And that's why Paul says, this is amazing what God has done. It's amazing. What has he done? What has he done, Paul? Verse 7, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Redemption, again, it's another churchy word. What does it mean, Paul is using a word actually from the slave trade industry. This word redemption actually means purchasing a slave in order to set them free. 
This is what God has done in the person of Jesus through his blood on the cross. We were slaves, and if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in his atoning work on the cross, then our, our slavery is, is paid for. We are no longer slaves. We are free children of God. So first of all, he has redeemed us in the person and work of Jesus. Secondly, he has forgiven us, which sounds like a very basic word, but I think is really cool uh, etymologically, if I can say this. The word forgiveness, the word forgiveness, and I just want to say forgiveness is difficult for me, friends. I just, it's something that I'm working on in my life. It, it has been a difficult thing to really work through forgiveness. And the closer I get to God, God reveals areas of my heart that I've got to, I've got to walk through forgiving people and living in reconciliation with people. Forgiveness actually means to let go of something. And, and it actually means to take something and throw it away. That's what forgiveness means, to throw. Think about that. I was reminded of the way the psalmist put it in Psalm 103, that as far as the east is from the west, that's as far as God has removed our sins from us. He takes our sins if we give it to him. If we let go of it, in the person of Jesus, he takes our sin and throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. He throws it into the woods to never be found again. That's what forgiveness is. It's letting go of it. How many of us need to let go of something from someone? How many of us might God be inviting to just let go of that resentment? Let go of it and let him deal with it because he can handle it. He can handle it. He can handle it. So there's many things that he's done in the person of Jesus. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. How many of us have some question about God's will for our lives? Well, in the person of Jesus, God has made it clear that he wants to reveal his will to his children. He is a God who communicates with us. He doesn't always show us as much as we want to know, probably because it's not for our own good. But in the person of Jesus, he makes known his plan. He makes known to us that he loves us. And he will go as far as it takes to complete the work that he started in us. Well, I want to move forward to the section on the Holy Spirit today. What is it that Paul says we experience through the Holy Spirit? And this is how Paul puts it in verses 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. If you are in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you and with you because we cannot be in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. He's the one who draws us. He's the one who opens our eyes to see, to understand. He's the one who convicts. He's the one who reveals. The Holy Spirit is God with us. But I think it's powerful what Paul highlights here, just in these couple of verses. First of all, he says he is a seal. It's an interesting word. Actually, biblical scholars debate about what this word means. And the reason is because there are several aspects to this word seal. The Holy Spirit functions as a seal to us. First and foremost, um, he is a protector of us. There is a, the word seal is in the sense of a lock, like a combination lock, a padlock. And uh, I am fascinated by locks. Maybe it's because I have four children and sometimes I need to lock up their devices so they can't get to their devices. But I am fascinated that you can lock something at, at the YMCA or somewhere or at school. You can, you can put a lock on it and it's safe, even though there are people all around. So a part of one aspect of this word seal is that the Holy Spirit protects us. He is a seal for us in that way. He guards our salvation. He guards us. He is the one who, he is the paraclete is one of his words in the New Testament. He walks alongside us in life. We are never alone because the Holy Spirit is with us and in us. He guards us. The second aspect of this word seal from verse 13. Um, you were marked in him with a seal. Is really the word brand. If I can use the word brand. I think we... Um, especially as Americans uh, in a you know, materialistic, consumer-driven society, we understand the concept of brand. Um, I, for one, know when I see the logo of Starbucks, I know it's going to be good coffee. It's going to be expensive, but it's going to be good. When I see the logo of Apple, and I don't want to get into you know, the debate of, uh, of computer brands, but when I see the brand Apple, I know that it's at, at least going to be connected to the work of Steve Jobs. It's going to be user-friendly. It's it, those kinds of things. Well, here, God is saying that if we are in Christ, related to the Father, that we have a brand on us. And that brand, again, in the heavenly realms, that brand somehow marks us as God's children. Maybe it is the coolest brand ever that is somehow the name of Yahweh, the one who was, who is, and who will be. We have his brand. I recently 
um, have been watching uh, the show. I'm not saying it's uh, necessarily a you know perfectly moral show, but I've been watching the show Yellowstone. I'm a big Kevin Costner fan, and Yellowstone is basically the mafia taking place in Montana on a ranch, if I can describe it that way. But one of the things they do with their workers is they brand them with the Yellowstone brand, the family brand. That's what they do. And it's very painful, obviously, but they are marked as being a part of that family. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't painfully mark us with this brand, but Nonetheless, we have a brand in the heavenly realms. The enemy knows who we are. And if we are sensitive to the spirit, I believe we can find out who other believers are. I mean, this is what church planters in closed countries do, for example. They walk around looking for a person of peace. And I think ultimately what they're doing is they're, they're connecting with a person in the heavenly realms that is a believer. This is what happens when we prayer walk and we're looking for people. This happened to me at the University of Evansville a couple of weeks ago. I was prayer walking. I was praying. And about three people said hi to me like I knew them. It was in, in one sense, it was the strangest thing ever. I was like, I don't know them, but they, they're looking at me like they know me. I mean, first of all, I kind of look like Kurt Warner, especially when I was younger. So maybe they, they thought they knew me. I have a doppelganger out there, you know. But the other part of it was I was praying for connections. And, and these people, I think perhaps, perhaps the spirit of God inside of them was kicking and saying, that guy, that guy. So if you are in Christ, you have the seal of the Holy Spirit. You have this protective covering over your heart and your person, and that's who he is because he loves us. You also have the brand of God on you that says, child of God, child of God, you are his. But that's not all. There's one more thing that he says, which is totally amazing to me. He says the Holy Spirit is actually a deposit, a guarantee from the Father to us that we will receive our inheritance at some point in the future. This is amazing to me, guys, to think that God loves us enough. He doesn't owe us anything, but he gives us a deposit. He gives us a promise deposit that says, I will finish my work in you. I am committed to you and you will receive your inheritance. You will receive it, my child. This is what he says to us. I'm going to date myself by saying this, but one of my favorite things in the fall as a kid was to go through catalogs like Again, I want to bring up Christmas time, you know, a, a very materialistic child. So to go through catalogs and to mark for my parents the presents that I wanted. And I would kind of mark those pages and say, Mom, this is really what I, this is really what I like. And um, 
there was in the 80s a service merchandise catalog. I just want to say that probably not even in business anymore, but I used to love going through the service merchandise catalog, and I knew I was going to get it when I listened in on the phone conversation when my mom called them and said, yes, I want to put it on layaway. I want to make a deposit on my son's Christmas present. And I thought to myself, yes, it's good. She put some money down on it. She made a deposit. So I know I am going to get that thing from service merchandise. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get that radio-controlled car. I'm going to get that Chicago Bears football outfit. So here, God loves us so much that he actually gives us a deposit. He gives us a deposit, and that deposit is the Holy Spirit. If you read God's word and you understand it, I mean, even just the basic part of God's love for us, you have the Holy Spirit. If you are convicted by sin, if you are convicted and you really want to be a better person, you really want to clean up you know, your behavior, you have the Holy Spirit. He is in you. If you confess and really believe Jesus is Lord, you have this deposit in your life. And that deposit is a promise from God that says he will complete the work in you. He will come back for you. You will enter into and receive your full inheritance as a child. So I just want to close by asking this question. What difference would it make if those of us who said we are Christians actually lived this out? What difference would it make in our world and the people around us? What difference? I believe it would make a tremendous difference. In my own life, I'm convicted. If I lived more like a child of God instead of catching myself living like an orphan, a spiritual orphan, wouldn't our lives be so much more attractive to the people around us? Wouldn't we be able to love better I can say for myself, I would be able to love better if I believed that Christianity was this, God's grace and blessings in the heavenly realms to us. If I believed it was that rather than a long list of do's and don'ts, oh, I would be so much more excited to share Christ with other people because I want them to be blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ. So we've come to that time. I started by saying, you know, there were Christmas presents out there, and I think about it as a father. There's one thing about getting gifts that has to happen to, to receive those gifts. One thing that has to happen, you have to receive it. You have to accept it. You have to say, yes, Yes. And that's between you and God. You have to say, yes, I accept what the Father has done for me. 
I receive what the Son has done for me. I accept and acknowledge what the Spirit has done and continues to do for me. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, really. God has given us all these things. It's good news. It's not bad news. It's not a burden. The world is longing for these gifts. Please pray with me. God, thank you for your tremendous goodness. You have lavished on us, God. You have abundantly given us <clears throat> adoption. You have abundantly given us redemption, forgiveness. You have abundantly given us the promise of the Holy Spirit, a seal a brand, a new identity. Thank you, God. Help us to receive it. Help us to live it out. Thank you, Lord. Help us to live for the praise of your glory. It's in your name we pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.